0: Here we go with another three-point range. This is Mike Berardino. Welcome back. Uh, we're joined, as always, by the professor, Tim Cruthers and the scout, the very busy scout, Kimball Crossley. And uh, the scout is ready to go. All right. Well, as probably you all
1: know that follows sports, uh, James Harden, one of the top players in basketball, was traded to the Brooklyn Nets where he joins a couple of the other top players in basketball, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. on what appears to be an amazing team now. Uh, and it just gives me so many thoughts about what's going on there. And I know there's been a lot of talk when these things happen and there's a lot of naysayers that are like, Oh my God, it's her- terrible when these players join up and they want to build a super team. That's just the worst thing in the world. And I just think that's that's so crazy. I mean, when you hear, we spent so many years saying, all these players care about is money and not winning. And now we're saying, how dare they get together and try and build a championship team? That's a disgrace. Um, and I, I guess part of that comes from, it's it feels like, you know, when we were playing pickup ball uh, at the park and of course, some guys are just all, try and all conspire to get the best players alongside with them because you're playing, you know, a loser's walk, right? So if you, as long as you win, you stay on the court, and there might be one, two, three other teams waiting to get on, and the super team is just hanging on. Well, I don't think we've come to that in the NBA yet. It doesn't feel like these teams are getting together and, and just so amazing. And, and what? how many teams, if, if two or three do it, is that a problem? How many super teams can there be? Great going to be more interesting so that's not what bothers me about it you know I think it's um what's interesting thing about this is the whole basketball thing bothers me about it and that is just you know basketball is such a team game and there's only one ball and it's so interesting to see how these three players two of them dominate the ball and have dominated the ball like players we've never seen before in Irving and um Harden And, you know, the real problem for me is that with one of the reasons I I love sports, I I started being interested in sports when I was younger. And I think one of the reasons I got into sports and now I'm a baseball scout for the San Diego Padres is because I was always fascinated with sports, about not so much the individual and not how great that guy is. Because I quickly saw like, that ain't me. (laughs) You know, I'm no quarterback. I'm no, you know, great NBA player but I was always intrigued by the system and how do you build a better mousetrap and what's the best way to build a club. And we talked last episode about culture and that being part of it. And how do you make this team? And for all the years following the NBA, I, I think I've been able to figure out other sports. Like, well, this seems to work. Like you build, that, you build around this. A lot of sports is about you build a draft, you get young players, you get a unit, you get that culture, you get cohesion, you get a coach and you get a system and a program that, Where everyone's on the same page, and the NBA, it just is like, no, 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 screw the 12 guys on your roster coaches, assistant coaches, screw anything, just get the best player or two, and you're good to go. And it doesn't mean if you feel as in this trade, give up everybody. I mean, they give up like four first round draft picks and swaps of first round draft picks and players and players who are playing great for them, as a matter of fact. To do this to build this juggernaut and i'm just like ah is that how you do it um and it's like okay we'll see if it works but the bottom line is they can do it you know more power to the nets trying to do this they've never been great since the aba days you know more power uh to the players trying to like build a champion okay they can do that but just like on the back on the uh playground I'm allowed to root against them. I'm <laughs> allowed to root against that super team and hope somebody else gets a chance. Your thoughts, boys. Jim?
2: Uh, well, I guess my first thought is that that we can't really complain about this happening, as you suggest, because it's happened so many times already. I mean, basically, the Golden State Warriors were a, were a, a super team built. And even last year's championship, I think you can argue that it was an arranged marriage between Anthony Davis and LeBron, so uh, I think we're used to this at this point. But I think the difference is, and I'll go back to that word we just you just mentioned, culture. Again, um, I'm not a big believer in, in that this culture is going to work. I mean, I, I've said before, and I'll say again on this on this podcast that I I despise the NBA, and the poster boy for why I despise the NBA is James Harden. Uh, I think you know this idea that all right, we, we run down the court and four guys at the three point line, and James Harden just does this thing, which is probably going to end up in a step back, crappy three point shot. Um, is is why you know I, I I despise watching the NBA, but also why I don't think that that necessarily is the way to win a championship. And uh, and as you suggest, um, you know the there are a, there's a there is only one ball. There's three guys on that team who, who want to shoot it pretty much every time down the floor. Uh, maybe only two if Kyrie doesn't come back. But uh, but the the chance of of this working, I think, is is low. I mean, I think culture is 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 created by to some extent by by players, obviously. Uh, and I think you know one thing I've always respected about LeBron is you know even though he is the best player in in basketball by far um he's never been one that you say oh well the ball goes to him and it's just uh it's just everyone else stand back and watch him do it um he's more of a team player than your average superstar and uh, i believe that he helps build a culture um that that can help a team win championships and i don't see that in James Harden or Kyrie. I mean, Kevin Durant is a little bit more of a team player than the two of, than the other two. But, but um, yeah, I'll be right there beside you, Kimball, hoping that this doesn't work.
0: Well, I, yeah, I'll join in with the James Harden uh, hate, I guess. I've just – I've never enjoyed – that uh, complete ball hog mentality and the fact that um, that he you know, kicks out the leg and draws the fake foul uh, repeatedly and all this stuff. It just uh, has nothing to do with the, the beard. The beard, I'm just amazed he can do that. Also, didn't he get extremely out of shape during this off, during this very short off season? And weren't there photos of him? Like, you know, he, like, I'm not even sure what he can do right now. He's going to have to work himself back into shape. As far as the the super teams, I was around those Miami Heat teams. I wrote columns. For the Sun Sentinel in South Florida about the, the, the LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh arranged group. And I was one where they could have taken that show uh, to the Bulls or a couple of other teams uh, potentially out West, but they decided, and Pat Riley got them to decide that Miami was the place. And they were just uh, loathed throughout the league, and Charles Barkley ripped them at every turn, and I think after that four-year experiment ended, two championships, two losses in the finals, and the way they acquitted themselves was excellent, and um, they, uh, they embraced a strange villain role because individually none of them are villainous to me. Um, and to, to, I think they've all uh, proven themselves to be total pros and, and upstanding individuals, and the kind of people that you should root for. The three of them together, why wouldn't you root for them even more? Super teams, I think back, remember when uh, the ABA folded, since Kimball mentioned the ABA, and Dr. J and George McGinnis ended up on the Sixers together, and they got to a finals, but Bill Walton uh, and, the, and a more team-oriented Blazers group beat them. Um, this big three of the Celtics in the, in the aughts, uh, they, uh, uh, they certainly were uh, – successful multiple finals and including a championship with doc rivers it can be done and it can be done maybe or it feels more organic and even the even the you knew ad would end up playing with lebron with the lakers and it was hard to to resent that the way they they won that championship and ended that long drought The, the nets by the way though kimball you're forgetting that they did go to the championship two straight years to the finals and they lost to the spurs and to the lakers um in the early Two thousands and I was with Byron Scott coaching them and Jason Kidd playing for them. We'll see how Steve Nash. We haven't mentioned Steve Nash as a first-time coach and a controversial selection. How is he going to handle um, the dynamic there? Um, I think Kevin Durant wants to make it work. I have very little faith in the other two and how they're going to make it work. So yeah, I would expect it to, to fail. Uh, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Nece- I don't. It's not because of the concept of the super team that makes me. Uh, Expected to fail or wanted to fail. It's just the, the two of the three personalities are not my my type. You know, it's it's is
1: intriguing though. Like I, the the basketball guy, in me is fascinated to see how it works on the court. And you know, those players actually have the skills to make it work in that. You know, the problem with Wade, Bosh, and and uh, LeBron, and as as good as they were, was it, they kind of didn't complement each other that well. In a funny way, Bosh. You know, you're not going inside a lot when you have drivers like Wade and um, LeBron. And Bosch started being a guy that just stood in the corner and knocked down threes. And and it helped defensively, don't get me wrong. And they made it work just because I think the personalities. But at least the, these three guys theoretically have the skills in that Irving and Harden could just stand on the perimeter and knock down open threes if they're willing to just wait their turn. We know Durant can do that. And so it'll be interesting to see, see if they really do – just say like, Hey, we're willing to make this work and, and blend. Um, the, the flip side is where Bosch, Wade and LeBron were all good athletic defensive players. You might have your doubts about whether uh, these two of these guys want to play defense or can play defense.
0: And then, you know, some, every time one of these things happens there, there's a concern about, well, how do you stop it or, or should anything be done to legislate it out? And I don't know that that has to be done. I mean, the, the Larry Bird exception alone uh, that's been on the books forever uh, should help if if, uh, if you want to make it. The, the other thing, too, um, Harden, I think this is more controversial than some of the other pairings, has the potential to remain that, that way because of the timing, because it carried into the season. I don't think any of the others happened in the season. And I understand they had a very brief offseason, ridiculously brief offseason because of the pandemic. But when you have one player essentially tanking, his own team and then being ripped on his way out of town and hardened um, for a variety of reasons. Um, it just, it just really seems doomed from the start. All right, let's, um, let's move on to topic number two here on three point range. And it's Tim's turn. What do you got, Tim?
2: Well, guys, as you know, we at three point range, we're here to provide a, a voice for the masses and uh, we can say what everybody else would be dying to say. If only they had our, bully pulpit. So following up on my point from last week about the absurd NFL overtime rules, this week I'm politicking for change in another game-deciding element of football. I will believe in the Easter Bunny, UFOs, and that Elvis is alive and well and living in Omaha before I'll believe in the accuracy of a football first down. There are moments in life, and we've all had them watching sports that are true revelations. And one of them for me came the day many years ago when I was a wee boy. And it suddenly dawned on me that there is no way that football is accurately, accurately measuring a first down. Um, I mean, these two plump dudes holding orange sticks, waddling onto the field and stretching out a chain. I mean, really? Uh, still in 2021, this is going on? I mean, neither the spot of the ball nor the placement of the sticks is based on a shred of science. They're guesses. I mean, we are guessing, people. If our society can split an atom and what map the human genome and generate the, a vaccine for COVID, uh, I think we should be able to unimpeachably determine whether a football team gained 10 yards in four plays. Um, that's a part of the game that's rather pivotable, pivotal in deciding the winner. So if we can simper, superimpose a digital first down line on the field, we ought to be able to use that sort of technology to accurately determine a first down, right? I mean, the NFL's dirty little secret is that we can. Uh, my crack research staff has, has uh, pulled up some evidence for me that the technology exists. The league is reportedly resisting this technology for reasons of, Tradition and the drama that they feel is built by these silly, imprecise measurements. If we just embrace the technology, think about it. It could accurately determine whether a player stepped out of bounds or crossed the plane of the end zone for a touchdown, and all that without the need for the five-minute replay review. So the obvious question is, if football bothers to use replay to try to get all these other calls right, Why doesn't it do everything possible to get this right? And don't even get me started on calling balls and strikes in baseball. (laughs) Okay, boys, tell me how right I am.
1: Very right. And, uh, you know, especially when it comes to the end zone, for example, like we do have the technology to, you know, if all we're trying to do is get that ball to break the plane, that's the easiest one Mm -hmm. because because on those goal line pileups where <laughs> you can't tell you some guy running from the side, old man, right. 30 yards away, is running in like Oh yeah. And, and you should have the technology where there's a chip in the ball and bing, it goes right over that goal line. Someone went They have you it. Know makes it. Yeah, exactly. They have it. You have it. You just want it. Don't use it. And, mm. and talk about controversial plays and calls when they're down in the goal line and and you don't get in and you should have, and the next thing you know, so, and then I will just throw this in before, you know, I'll let Mike speak, but uh, I will weigh in on baseball here. I am so for the electronic strike zone, and I've actually gotten to see it work. It, you know, a lot of people don't know, but the Arizona Fall League is a pretty obscure league, and a lot of prospects go there. And one fall, a couple of years ago, they they experimented with the with the electronic strike zone. I'm telling you, if you were sitting in a game, you would not have noticed, like, it, you might have thought, hey, this umpire seems to be pretty good and clean and quick, and it's all – there's not a lot of dispute. But for the most part, it was – you know, the game just went on as as usual. And, um, and, yeah, it drives me crazy because you could argue for five minutes about whether a guy's foot came off the bag on a steal. And it's so stupid when – we know what's really going on more in the game? That manipulation of the strike zone and the – Mistakes there. I mean, the difference between a one-two count and a two-one count is huge, and that's where the Absolutely. game swings. Not on, you know, some play at second base.
2: Well, that's mm-hmm. another story for another day. But yes, but the, no, I'm the, with you. I'm with the, you because I'm a hundred. That's one of my biggest pet peeves in all of sports. I shouldn't have even brought it up because it's just now it's the elephant in the room. But yeah, but uh, but uh, but, uh, but the truth is, yeah. I mean, why <laughs> why we're somehow protecting the umpires. I mean, the, the, uh, the, the union obviously in baseball is a lot, a lot more powerful than the union of the, of the fat guys who hold the orange sticks. I think we could probably eliminate them, but go ahead, Mike.
0: Well, um, yeah, I'm not completely there yet on the, on the the
2: strike zone, on the strike zone. I
0: wrote about the strike zone, um, for baseball digest, uh, uh, last spring. And, um, Uh, One of the people I interviewed for it was Bob Costas, and Bob Costas uh, was uh, pretty adamant and passionate about the – he's lamenting the loss of the human element little by little, and that was one last human element. He just wasn't ready to give up, but as long as there's still an umpire back there who can override the strike zone, and that's how the electronic uh, – it goes right into the earpiece of that umpire within a split second – as long as he has the latitude to override it and not be disciplined if he does it too often, then maybe it's workable. And it does seem we're, we're headed there because the ball there's just too much velocity in baseball now. It's it, The human eye can't keep up with that much high 90s uh, pitching and, and that much movement. So in the Atlantic League, where they test these things out, um, now not just an independent league, but a, league, a major league partner, um, on the minor league level, they they were pleased with what they did in half a season, and they thought it was workable, um, but there were certainly still some awkward moments. And I did hear about what Kimball talked about in the Arizona Fall League as well, and that was um, not as obtrusive as people would have, the old school would have thought. Uh, on football, two other things. Uh, yeah, I think we all, all can all agree if we have the, the chip I think it's the RFID chip uh, that's uh, you know in all the items that uh, they're getting to the point where you're going to be able to go into stores and not even check out. You just pick it off the shelf. Uh, it'll register that you've done it. It'll your 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 card will will uh, debit you and you'll walk right out the store with the item that's coming. So we can do it with football. Two things bother me in uh, in football that that still I don't know why we can't fix this. The punt that goes out of bounds, the attempted coffin corner punt that goes out of bounds somewhere inside the 20. And I love the, the, the officials running up. He's walking up the sideline, walking up his arms in the air. He's like, well, he's about, he's about, he's right, at right here. And so how do they do that? I mean, there's that's you talk about guesstimation, and you're talking about the difference between starting a drive on your 1 or your 5 versus the 18 or something. That, that happens more than uh, the sport should probably allow. And the other thing is I'm done with the one foot in thing in uh, in college football these guys are we've seen these guys are are excellent uh, incredible body control uh, why why do we have to uh, simplify the process of the catch on the sideline make them get two feet bounds. why why should it be different from the pros very soon they're all going to have to the seniors or the draft eligible guys are going to have to get both feet in what, what why talk about tradition one foot in so uh, I'm done with that as well. <laughs> Any uh, final thoughts on that? Uh, you guys? That you, doesn't bother. You
1: guys have, you know, have, you I'll, guys I'll try and go back to your, My topic. No, 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 no. I'm going to go right. back to it because I'll, I'll say this, and I, I was I thought Mike might talk about this, guys. And I think you probably covered your of high school football games too. And and I and I know Mike has. When you cover a high school football game, it's hilarious because often a lot of times you're covering it. You're you're right alongside those chain guys, you know. And, and to watch how sloppy and poor it's done there and, just, and to watch real robbery take place when you know, like, oh, my God, he just that kid made a great run. He just lost two yards, and now it's not a first down. That's a joke. At least the NFL officials, you know, they're really meticulous in how they do it. But just,
2: you're That's stepping true. off penalties. That's you're, not you're true. St- That's not true. Even, I mean, if you, you read stories about, about this, Here's what they do. And an, an NFL referee, and this is this is confirmed, an NFL referee, if, if a first down is made between, let's say, the 21 and the 20-yard line, and they know it's a first down, and they've called it a first down, they will move the ball back to the 21 to, to place the ball so it'll be easier to figure out what the next first down is. Right. That is that, that's the kind of stuff that goes on. So, I mean, and again, why? Why do we have to do this? I mean, why... Why does Gene stare Pull out a piece of paper to to stick it between the ball and the and the and the stick to find out whether it's a first down. That was indeed, absurd. Yeah, we should have been, but you missed it. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, uh, I, you know, the whole idea for statistical purposes, the ball is at whatever. But it, how many times, and not just in, the, I mean, we've seen it in the college game, but definitely in the high school game, when you're trying to make all the numbers add up, and you're gonna ha- and you're gonna have to say one team was, you know, rushed for this many yards or was penalized for this many yards. And how many times have we seen a 10 yard holding penalty stepped off is eight yards or, <laughs> right, or a yeah. five yard offsides is four <laughs> yards? And it's like, it's maddening. But, um, <laughs> I, I wonder, I, do, I mean, Kimball, uh, we'd all, wouldn't you all just love to see what, uh, a football officiating school is like? And, and, uh, are they detailed in there or who, are, you know, who are they attracting to do this? And, um, you know, obviously the end of the guys who get all the way to the very top of the NFL and get to have the microphone and we get to know them, but, there's all kinds of people who are affecting the officiating of football at every level, and I, I'm wondering about them. Last I heard, one
1: person on this podcast was looking for a job.
0: Well, it's, it's on my list. It's one of the things on my list. <laughs> it's, it's when, uh, Yeah, because there's a huge shortage of officials. I read that story uh, uh, last summer that people, because of the abuse from parents, for one, and coaches, and then, of course, now we're in this pandemic. The uh, the high school football association in Indiana was struggling to get people to show up. So I'm waiting for them to meet my number, and I don't think it'll be very hard to get uh, certified. <laughs> and then I will tr- I will try, it, and I'll report back to you. Perhaps so that'll be a future point on the show.
2: The All right. Vertical so- stripes are very thinning. I think they'll look good on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it.
0: I'll take mm-hmm. it. Alright, so, uh, this is Three Point Range, and we thank you for listening. If this is the first time you've listened, this is episode 12. If this is the 12th time you've listened, you need to find other hobbies. But no, we, we welcome you, and we thank you. Uh, you can check out our Substack, uh, that's Kimball Continues to Carry, um, and, uh, it, it's a free newsletter that goes right to your inbox if you choose um, and uh, we amplify topics that you'll hear here as as well as uh, introduce other things that might eventually work their way to a three-point range you can check it out this uh, podcast itself on anchor.fM that's the hosting aspect of it Spotify uh, Google uh, stitcher and a variety of other podcast outlets if you have any feedback please leave it for us at one of our Twitter accounts or our Facebook page and um, and we'll we'll keep at it. We're, we're enjoying it. We hope you're enjoying it as well. So uh, here's um, my topic and um, this is kind of a a couple things here. you know um, I don't uh, we're in the age of streaming and uh, Disney plus is going to end up pretty much in every home and, and one of the things you can do on Disney plus probably the first thing you should do is check out uh, Tim's movie, uh, Queen of Cotwe, Cotway, and uh, about the chess champion. Uh, that he profiled in a book, and it was made into a film, and it's just an incredible achievement, and uh, and rave reviews. But uh, I watched the start of that, and I said, no, what I really want to watch is uh, a movie I vaguely recalled from the 70s. And when I think back to the sports movies of my youth, and I'm talking about when I was about eight years old, and they stick with you, They're maybe the reason why I still care about sports today on some level. Bad News Bears was one that really resonated. Rocky came out about that time. These are movies that uh, stay with you. And then you get to see them over and over, uh, you know, in late night or anytime or by choice. I mean, they're they're readily available. What's not readily available is another film that stuck with me. And I went, I went and I found it. Indeed, you can find it on Disney <laughs> 1976, Gus, about a mule from Yugoslavia that can kick a hundred yard field goal. And you know it sounds ridiculous and it is and i was just wondering well how you know could this sustain is an hour and 26 film and um i i watched the entire movie and and i just f- start with the cast it's a, it i'm just floored <laughs> by the quality of this cast and you guys i didn't remember all these folks being in it but um Ed Asner, very believable as the team owner, just acting his butt off there, chomping on the cigar, really good. And that was a good get, I would say, for Disney even at that time. Don Knotts playing the football coach of the California Adams. Don Knotts snorting his way through that role and, and bug-eyed and just uh, not believable at all. But, but still, Don Knotts, good get. I, completely strange to see Tim Conway and Tom Bosley Howard Cunningham, Mr. C as villains, a villain team that at one point gets Gus drunk. And I had forgotten that scene entirely until uh, rewatching it, and I'm glad that I did. Um, you also have um, in a booth, <laughs> uh, with, the, uh, with the benefit of time, um, not just Stu Nahan, who also did Rocky, Around that same time, was a, was playing himself in Rocky. But Dick Enberg yeah, gets a ton of screen time on that. Young Dick Enberg, the late Dick Enberg, now. And uh, you know, I got to interview Dick Enberg once about a decade after that at a at a Duke Children's <laughs> oh my class. God. And I and I asked. He was so nice. He was walking. Uh, he was strolling as one of his uh, young children at the time. And uh, gave me about 30 minutes, and I failed to ask him about Gus, and this is now one of my great regrets because he was, he was, <laughs> he was vamping it up. And then he uh, also had Bob Crane, Hogan's Heroes, and if you ever saw the Greg Kinnear movie about what happened with Bob Crane's uh, off-screen life later, very strange uh, outcome, but he was in that Disney movie quite a bit uh, playing a sports broadcaster. Johnny Unitas is in this thing. Johnny Unitas never got any acting work after that. As I can recall, he was playing himself. Was he did a good job. He did a good job. He was funny. He had timing. Dick Butkus though, Dick, Dick Butkus, whoever his agent was, I know he got him a beer ad, light beer ad later on. Dick Butkus was a natural at acting and he deserved more opportunities in, uh, in children oriented sports vehicles like this. But, um, uh, I, I'll I'll just say, you know, uh, Two thumbs up for this one. It really held up for me, uh, except for the extended, ex- I mean, extended uh, scene in a grocery store, Ralph's Grocery, where Gus is uh, on the day of the Super Bowl, by the way, running amok. I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to spoil it for you, and I won't tell you how the Super Bowl turned out, but. Um, young Andy Petrovich is the holder, and uh, by the way, one last thing—you know, you guys have given me a hard time about long snapper, and I'm fascinated by the long snapper. And we never do learn the identity of the long snapper in this. Film. It's the <laughs> one real reservation I have, and they only mention at all to the fact that the ball has to get somehow from the line of scrimmage back to where Gus can then kick it a hundred yards with Andy's hold. Is someone says at one point, uh, well, who's going to do that? Who's going to snap it? Ah, uh, somebody will just throw it back here, and it, that that was offensive to me. That part was offensive, and I think so many Disney films uh, have been remade. When they remake this one, I need to see character development in the long snapper. Uh, what's a film from your youth? You guys are a little older than I am. Um, what's a film maybe from your youth, sports film, that you've gone back and rediscovered and and have like forgotten entire. Blocks of it. All right. Well, first
1: of all, I don't, I don't know if we can leave this topic. It's such a
0: rich topic. To I do this take it, take, it, take, take it to the, the end of it. There's There's it. What What's the, the topic? topic? Well, I'd like to. Oh, well, I have a <laughs> suggestion. Guys, the review. You it's a review. <laughs> I'd like to suggest that families here in the time of the playoffs, the NFL playoffs, take a little break from. Uh, maybe from gambling through their phone on the playoffs if they're in one of those states, and Indiana's one of those, uh, perhaps uh, they take a little break from being so invested in the outcome and maybe uh, sit down as a family and watch a football film. There's no reason this shouldn't be an annual rite of the NFL playoffs because that's what it is. The NFL gave a full endorsement to this film. You see the Packers, the Vikings, the Dolphins in this film – although in the super bowl it was the Michigan Mammoths for some reason oh, the NFL hmm. did not allow one of its teams to be in the super bowl against the California Adams fictional
1: so you know you want to expand the audience for this and and if i know tim's not really on twitter much but if you if you're ever on twitter during football you know the, the feed is just full of guys that just are obsessed with coaches you know, going for it on fourth down and, and the analytics say that, like, no matter where you are, you should go for a fourth down. We've talked about that a little bit on this podcast. And I would love to see, like, hey, what if you've got a kicking mule that can hit a field goal from 94 yards? <laughs> Do you still want to go for it yeah. then and and see what their reaction to this, mm-hmm. this kicking mule theory is? Because it's still only three points, Mike.
0: Yeah, Sebastian Janikowski was about the closest thing to a human kicking mule that I can recall. But um, Zerline has a has a huge leg. Um, yeah, it's uh, the uh, the other thing about the mule, you know, um, he could only kick it up to a hundred. At one oh one, it was a no go for some reason. It was just kind of a mental block the mule had. He didn't miss a single time, but at one oh one, it could not. It was not on the chart. The frugal, well, it would throw off all charge. the rules
1: of football because now when you miss a kick, it's spotted back from where you missed it. Yeah. So if you're on your yeah. five and you kick from the negative two, he never missed. Or the team a touchdown? He never so missed. I don't think that's a big flaw in the movie that he can't kick more than 100. I think that probably makes sense. They were probably thinking ahead there.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I hate to admit this, but I, I had to do research on this because I knew the topic was coming. And the whole premise is based on the fact that he can't kick a field goal unless he has a specific holder, the Yugoslavian kid. What? If he, yes, Andy if Petrovich. He no, has I, yeah, Andy holding. Petrovich. If yeah. he can't hold, then the then the then the the the, the, the burrow can't make a kick. The mule.
0: Well, that's not exactly kick. true. Uh, having rewatched the film very closely, there is a moment where a I won't give this away either because I am hoping our listeners rush right to Disney Plus. And watch this first, and then your little chess film. but the uh, there is a moment where <laughs> where andy andy is is indisposed, and um a fill-in does hold for Gus, and the kick is good,
2: but he thinks it's he thinks it's Andy, according to the what the the plot recap that I read he's he's you know well that's, mules well, aren't that, that smart and he yeah there, thinks, he well, thinks there's a it's word. Andy.
0: There's a word uh, that, um, that has to be said, and that word is, uh, I believe it's oyage. It's, uh, it's like voyage without the V, and mm-hmm. this is the magic word, Oyage, Gus, and then the ball just goes end over end, boom, from any distance, and Ed Asner is very happy.
2: I mean, I can't believe that we, we disputed before this podcast began about whether we should lead with this, this, this particular topic. Now mm-hmm. now that we've discussed it I can see why you thought this was this should be the headline. Uh, <laughs> uh, why I, I'm still absolutely shocked that you watched how w- a few minutes of the Queen of Cutway and then yeah. and then turned it off so you could watch this.
0: Uh, my curiosity was more about uh, the, my, the mind's eye and what you know how I was remembering certain aspects of Gus from um, you know 44 years ago and uh, 45 years ago and I was just curious um how much I re- recalled and, and it sucked me in I did not intend necessarily to watch the entire thing an hour 26 minutes it just sucked mm-hmm. me in as yeah, someone
1: uh, someone has seen the queen of cotway and it is a good movie yeah but it didn't get it didn't get the reach that it did and maybe that's where you made the mistake Tim you just said take some liberties with it if you want to make her a chess playing mule
2: from mm-hmm. Cotway.
1: Maybe well, it work better. Just take a Queen little... Queen of Cotway
2: is also a Disney movie, and I'm sure if they had just made her a Disney princess like they like mm. they make all the other, we would have been fine. But the bottom line is, it is the difference between a quality movie, at the risk of plugging my own film, it is the difference between a quality movie and and Disney schlock. Uh, you know, Rotten Tomatoes for for uh, Queen of Cotway, ninety four. Rotten Tomatoes for um, whatever this movie is called, Gus. Gus. Yeah, uh,
0: 58.
2: 58. Are you um, just
0: making that up, or you that's, No, that's I looked it up.
2: There? Yeah, I just looked it up. Well, I, and, I uh, two stars from Roger Ebert for Gus. too. I I, I don't think that's good. Right. I don't think Roger Ebert. A lot was, of this was was around to to, to do Queen of Cotways A lot yeah. of
0: the joy of the film, uh, where where it holds up, is a lot of the joy is to see Howard Cunningham, Tom Bosley, playing a villain that he really yeah. It, it's and Dick did I mention Dick Van Patten is in it? He also <clears throat> is a villain. So they spared no no amount on the budget. The budget for that film had to be one of the highest of any Disney sports production of the 70s when you look at what those what those actors uh, would have cost just to get them all on the same screen so it's a, an amazing ensemble um, a ridiculous premise and uh, the nostalgia aspect caused me to spend another 90 minutes with it and that's um that's why I brought it to the to the listeners I I'll check it out uh, Gus. I always remembered it having a subtitle like Gus, the kicking mule, but it's just Gus.
2: And when you him. brought it up, I just assumed that Gus had passed away, since you are the uh, you are the king mm-hmm. of the requiem <laughs> for, on, on the three point range. I assumed that that's why you were well. You were you wanted to discuss it, but I don't know uh, the
0: average lifespan of of a mule, but Gus, this particular mule was excellent, and I'm sure he's long gone. The other thing is, you now Mister Ed playing baseball. Gets mentioned a lot. Uh, People will even post little clips on social media. That episode where Mr. Ed put the bat in his teeth and swung the bat. People love that for some reason. But I'm here to say, you know, Gus should also be remembered right along with that and really beyond because Mr. Ed's sports uh, endeavor was, it was a one, he was a one act uh, horse. Um, Well, not to, not to like, give Mike any more fuel, but in
1: the low moments of my scouting career, I must say that there was a moment in an official meeting of the scouting department for an organization for which I was working. They played the video of Herman Munster hitting baseballs out of the stadium. And (laughs) just just like I feel now, like I thought we've sunk to a new low.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you continue Continue to be astounded by the by the time and effort that Mike puts into figuring out what his topics are going to be each week. And I cannot wait till next week when we discuss 10 minutes on the apple dumpling gang.
0: Well, that was Tim Conway as well. And, and uh, I, 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 we're not going there. We're not going there, but I, but I, uh, it's all about, uh, setting the bar low, uh, so that it's easily cleared, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's um that's what i do i've i've clearly set the bar low and uh it should be no problem i'll, I'll uh, continue the, this pattern all right well um that's that's our show that's number 12 and um i enjoyed it i hope you did it seems like my cohorts may may have been a, a little concerned by the final topic well too bad too bad uh so a reminder again substack stitcher spotify anchor.fm Uh, We'll see you, uh, have a great weekend. We'll see you early next week with more topics. I'm Mike Berardino, signing off for Kimball Crossley and Tim Crothers. Take care.